Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the fourth podcast that we will be doing for the takeover. Uh, this week, we got a full sw- full slate of uh, a whole bunch of content for you guys. Uh, super exciting episode, actually. We have our very first uh, guest appearance, very first guest speaker on the show later in the episode. So stick around for that. Our very first segment that we're going to be doing uh, this week is our sports update since we last convened. Um, I know we've been we've been off for two weeks, um, but we have a ton, and I mean a ton of content for you guys um, this week on the takeover. So jumping right into that, we have a huge update on the return of MLB baseball. So MLB baseball training camp started today on July 1st, and we thought it would be a good idea to provide an overview of what the season's gonna look like when it returns. Um, the MLB has set their target date at you know around July 23rd, 24th. And so I went ahead and pulled some items, about 20 items from what you can expect for the return of baseball. And we took this information basically from an ESPN article written, from, written by Jeff Passan and other MLB insiders. So the first, first point of emphasis you know, that we wanted to discuss this week on the podcast is that the MLB and the players have finally negotiated a season and it's in place um, with a 60 game season. Um, and this comes after arguments and negotiations and really disputes over what the pay should be. You know, It was basically a contract disputes because you have front offices um, granting contracts to these players and then the season doesn't happen and games aren't being played. And so these front offices, these organizations aren't able to play, pay the players because there's no money being generated. Um, but eventually we, we negotiated a contract, and thank goodness because now we've been blessed with the 60-game season, but a season with many caveats, as you could expect. So way back, I think this was in March, spring training, or spring training 1.0 as it has been called, uh, was interrupted. Then, of course, we had the several-month hiatus, April, May, June. Now we're into July. You know, the MLB is is going to actually do another spring training. I think we should call it summer training. Um, they're going to do a three-week training camp 2.0 starting today on July 1st. Item number, I don't know what item number this is, but we're just going to keep going down the list. 1,800 players are expected to report to training camp in the coming weeks. And you might be wondering, well, 1,800 sounds a bit high, and you'd be exactly right. It's 900 players high. So teams, I'll get to this in a little bit, but teams are actually, you know, they're going to start with 60 players at training camp, and then they will, you know, really condense those those groups down and make cuts as needed so that they can have a leaner, meaner team come baseball play. So these states, the states that are expected to host, you know, the spring training camp, we have states like Arizona, California, Florida, Texas, um, all of these, you know, when I was reading the article written by Jeff Passan, the very first thing that came in my mind was, well, these are kind of hotspot, these are hotspot states. Um, is it, you know, it might be dangerous, you know, and it probably could be dangerous should they have, you know, summer training, spring training 2.0, as you want to call it, in these states. Um, and I guess it, it's good that they're going to have a training session before MLB starts because we don't want we don't want bad baseball. But I guess the next thought that I had was, well, 
it's it's called spring training for a reason. The reason you play in these southern states is because the weather is so nice. Now we're into July, and July in Florida is incredibly warm. And so my proposal would be to play it somewhere, you know, you know, north, north of the south. But anyways, that would be my suggestion is how we could resolve that. And then you wouldn't be in a state that is potentially, you know, as dangerous with the virus. Um, going forward, the MLB, how are they going to address, you know, how are they going to make it safe for these guys that are playing? How are they going to make it safe for the athletes? This should be, and I hope will be, the number one concern for these organizations. The maximum temperature that they're going to allow for the, for the res, resuming uh, season is going to be 104. So they're going to do temperature checks. Excuse me, 100.4. 100. And once a certain player reaches 100.4 Fahrenheit and above, that player will be tested for COVID. And I saw earlier today that there's going to be two ways that they're going to test guys for COVID. The first way is going to be a PCR test. To, I think it's called polymerase or something like that. They were going to do a PCR test to test if guys have the virus now. And then they can also do a pathogen test to see if guys had the virus earlier, previously. So players and coaches in general are going to get tested every other day. And anyone who tests positive will immediately go into a two-week quarantine. Players, in order to return, players need two negative tests at least 24 hours apart in order to be able to return to baseball. So, you know, it looks like on paper, it looks like the MLB has a good structure in place for a safe return. Um, so how, how, are in, how are these, you know, how is the stands, how are they going to look like? Um, here it says that inactive players, so guys on the bench, um, I mean, maybe potentially guys that we would see in the dugouts, maybe pitchers that weren't pitching that night, Inactive players are going to sit in the stands six feet apart. What's the locker room situation going to look like? Um, guys are going to, the lockers it says here are going to be six feet apart as well. You know, that, that begs the question. The next logical question that I have is, you know, a lot of times in locker rooms, guys are going to be having, you know, team meetings, huddles, all kinds of stuff like that, camaraderie, all, all kinds of stuff, pranks. Um, I just don't know. I don't know how you're going to be able to keep everybody six feet apart. Um, but hopefully, you know, best best of luck, best of success for that because I, I just don't know how that's going to work. Um, eventually, so I had mentioned earlier, we're going to have 60, 60 guys in a training camp. Uh, so there's going to be guys that are going to be pulled up. Guys are going to be pulled up from the minor leagues. The minor leagues this year have actually been entire, canceled entirely. So that's giving other players a chance to, you know, practice and compete potentially for a spot on a baseball team, a professional, you know, baseball squad going forward. So once the season starts, um, I think teams are only going to be allowed to have 30 players. So we're going to start with 60 at training camp, 30 make the cut at the beginning of the season. And then eventually those, those 30 players are going to be reduced to 28 players and then down to 26 as the final number. Uh, so that's that's kind of how that structure is going to work. Uh, they're going to basically just be filtering through guys to see who they want to make that final cut. Additional rules. These are some of these are miscellaneous here. No spitting from the players at all. So tobacco, smokes, gum, anything. You know, you know, even seeds. Nothing. No spitting at all from the players. 
Um, this is this is a really good provision here. Um, players can opt out of the season should they feel that is best for them or their family. Um, that I think that's a very a very good move on the MLB's part. Um, of course, they're not going to be compensated for the season should they you know should they sit out. But I think it's good to give the players the option of whether they they you know whether they want to pursue playing or not. Um, I mentioned earlier it's going to be a sixty game season. Uh, for those of you wondering, you know, what's the playoff situation going to look like? How is that? How's the postseason going to look? We're going to have ten teams. Ten teams are going to advance to the playoffs. I mentioned earlier it's set to start around the twenty fourth, so that gives us three weeks. Salary structure: How are they? How are the players going to get compensated for you know their efforts and their hard work? So the salary structure is going to be based on a pro rata um, estimation. So you know. Players usually typically in a normal baseball season, they're playing 162 games, which is quite a bit. This season, we're looking at a 60-game season. Like I said, you take 60 over 162, you get 37%. 37% is the salary margin, I guess, that the players can expect to receive from this season should it be played in full. Um, and, you know, it, it, it works on both ends, you know. The organizations can now pay their players, you know, per per each game, you know, from the revenues, from the money generated from each game. And then those players can actually get a little bit of their salary back. So I think this is this is a good middle ground for both sides. Um, another miscellaneous here, no high fives, no fist bumps, and really no hand contact. Uh, so I, that is something that I'm, I'm like, wow, I... I that's something I'm a little skeptical about. I don't know how that's going to play out, you know, should the season return. I think that's going to be very difficult to enforce, um, but but we'll see. You know, maybe maybe the MLB can really crack down on that. Um, next item on the list, we have balls will be thrown out, baseballs will be thrown out after they have been touched by multiple players. Um, that That's another miscellaneous thing that, you know, that, that particularly – is interesting to me because I don't know how many you know baseballs they're going to need to even have a game then if they're if they're going to be throwing out you know that many baseballs I mean just if you're you're playing on the infield and you guys have, you got guys throwing it from third to first and you know from the first base and back to the shortstop you know that's a lot of movement there in itself so very interesting very interesting stuff indeed um, but hopefully the end result is worth it hopefully this can pay off for the MLB. I wish nothing but a safe season for the you know for the players going forward, and the best news of all of those we could have you know American sports, you know we could have American baseball here in three weeks. So um, baseball is they they were behind, you know they were behind in the first half, but now you know they're they're really catching up. So um, great job by the MLB on their part. Second update that we got for you guys this week is breaking news from the NFL, you know. The eyes of fans were particularly interested in where Cam Newton, the former Auburn quarterback, was going to land. Uh, we got word this earlier this week that you know the former MVP is headed to the Patriots, and you know this comes after a, I'm sure a difficult offseason for Cam Newton. You know, uh, it was a very uncertain one indeed. You know, had no contract, and. This comes after a very, you know, brutal spring, if you ask me. He was released from the Carolina Panthers on March 24th earlier this year. 
and th- there hasn't been hardly, you know, there hasn't been, no one has really even, you know, poked at the guy, you know, and now, now that the, you know, Patriots are, are interested and have offered him a deal, I think this is a great, you know, great opportunity for both sides, you know, Newton, you know, missed the majority of the 2019-2020 season, he missed 14 games, in fact, he had a broken foot, um, but the 2015 MVP is back, and I'm telling you guys, I think this is an excellent move by the Patriots. They just lost former, you know, future Hall of Famer Tom Brady. They need a quarterback. You know, Brian Hoyer and Steedham are not going to, I don't think they're going to win very many games for the Patriots. And, and project, you know, projections-wise, the, the Patriots aren't, I don't think so. I don't think they're supposed to have a winning season this upcoming season because of, how, you know, how important of a loss, you know, is Tom Brady. But now that they have Cam Newton, I think they can compete. I think they might, you know, they might be able to get into the playoffs again this year with that caliber of quarterback. So, in my opinion, great, great deal for both sides. Uh, and really, you know, now, now that Cam Newton's hungrier than ever, right? You know, he's been training all off season. You know, he's been he's been wanting a deal, and now he has it. It's going to be a great opportunity for him to prove to others what he did with his spare time, what he did while people, you know. We're avoiding him and we're counting him out, you know. So really a success story um, all around. Uh, third story, third update we got for you guys on the podcast this week. J.R. Smith lands in L.A. Um, interesting. So we're going we're gonna to walk through this. Los Angeles Lakers star, yeah, player star, Avery Bradley recently announced that he would not rejoin the Lakers if and when the season resumes in July which left, obviously, a spot open on the, the Lakers team. Free agent J.R. Smith is now finalizing a deal, and it's actually since been finalized um, with the Los Angeles Lakers. The last time we saw J.R. Smith play a game was back in 2018 with the Cleveland Cavaliers. And people, a lot of people are excited. You know, they're like, oh, we got the LeBron James-J.R. Smith connection. We got the, you know, Deion Waiters also signed, you know, with the Lakers back in, I think it was March Deion Waiters signed with the Lakers. Now J.R. Smith signs with the Lakers. My personal thoughts on this transaction, I give it a 6 out of 10 for the Lakers um, solely because I don't know how good of a fit J.R. Smith is for, for the Lakers you know, organization, for that team right now. Um, you know, I, as much as I love you know, J.R. Smith, a healthy, good, well J.R. Smith... I mean, the guy was incredible to watch. 2015, 2016 Cavs, that guy was really entertaining. You know, he, he was the microwave. He, you know, he's, he's hitting six threes a game, you know. And when he was playing on the Knicks, he was electrifying. He would do a re- reverse dunk on somebody. You know, he'd catch bodies left and right. And when he was on the Nuggets, you know, when he was a Nuggets, he was a super, superstar before people knew it. Um, as much as I'm a fan of J.R. Smith... I'm unsure if this is the right move for the Lakers in order to put them, you know, into the the contention that I thought they were. Um, I think that they're still a title team, but now with the loss of Avery Bradley, who I think is who is really underrated, you know, he's really underrated for what he can bring as far as value to a team. Um, a hard nosed defender, a guy that's in your face, he can guard the toughest offensive threat as far as a guard is concerned on the other team 
And, you know, he can take that pressure off a guy like LeBron James from having to guard, you know, a Paul George or, you know, a, Ka- a Kawhi Leonard. You know, so having the having that option of a, of a really good defender, I think, kind of leaves the Lakers a little bit vulnerable now. Um, and, you know, I ask myself these three questions. Does J.R. Smith fill the gap that they were trying to fill? You know, you just lost one of your best defensive players you know, quite quite frankly, he's the one of the best defensive players in the league, probably. And the Lakers, you know, just lost him. Does J.R. Smith fill that gap? Not not really, because you know J.R. Smith is a pure scorer. Can J.R. Smith score the ball? Absolutely, but is scoring a problem? You know, for the Lakers going forward, I don't really think so. Um, but but we will we will see. Um, I think there are a lot of other offensive options uh, for the Lakers. You know, there are a lot of other offensive threats, guys that are going to be receiving the ball before J.R. Smith gets the ball in the corner to shoot a three. So, you know, I don't know how this transaction will work. I hope it works out. The Lakers are my team, but, you know, we will have to see. In our last episode, we had predicted, you know, what we thought the playoff picture was going to be for you know the remain should we get the remainder of the season um so we we you know both of us you know me and Noah both said that the Lakers were were our favorites to win the championship and then you know there's been a lot of developments recently in the league is you know have these developments changed the trajectory of who's going to win the title and you know Jalen Rose on ESPN today you know he he thinks so. He now has the late. You know he now has the Lakers out and the Clippers in. So it, it's very interesting to see. Um, so some of the stories that that I like to bring up here for this this part of the the uh, segment. You know Nets general manager Sean Mark says they will still send the Nets team down to Orlando to compete. And this comes after you know a whole slew of bad news. You know we we broke. Broke news, like, I think two weeks ago, three weeks ago, that, you know, the stars, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, they were not going to, re- they were not going to return to play, you know, even if we did have a season, you know, they're coming off of, you know, injuries, both of them are. So, you know, they're not coming back. And with the addition, you know, you got, you got some more bad news. Um, Star center DeAndre Jordan tested positive for the coronavirus, um, and he had tweeted that he wasn't going to return. He, he said, I'm, I'm not going to do it. And, you know, he's, he's going to play it safe, which I think is, you know, I think that's an honorable move. I think playing it safe might, might be, you know, a good idea. I think the guys, you know, who are staying home, you know, they should, they should get credit because, you know, if they got families they got to take care of, if they've been sick themselves, I think that's a smart move. Um, guard Spencer Dinwiddie of the Nets, he also tested positive. And he is still undecided on whether he will play or not. So, you know, the Nets, I think it's safe to say we can rule the Nets probably probably out, you know. I don't, you know, should they make the play, you know, I think they're in the playoff picture as it stands right now. And I want to say they're, they're sitting at seventh. For some reason, I think they're sitting at seventh. But uh, they're probably going to be a first-round loss here. Um, but anyways, at any rate, uh, we're moving forward. Brian Windhorst of ESPN disclosed that 16 NBA players just last week tested positive for the virus. The Denver Nuggets closed their practice facility earlier this week because of positive tests. And, you know, Windhorst went on to say, 
that the challenge isn't going to be setting up the bubble. It isn't going to be necessary. The NBA necessarily necessarily isn't concerned about keeping guys safe once they get down to Orlando. The NBA is concerned about getting guys to Orlando safely. So, you know, travel, how is that going to work? You know, I think they're, they were saying that there was going to be a 35, you know, player organization total. So 35 people total can travel um, per organization. So we'll see how this, that works out. Um, Bradley Beal, in other news, Bradley Beal of the Washington Wizards has not yet decided on whether he will play or not. And, you know, if anyone deserves a break this season, you know, it's Bradley Beal. I mean, the, the guy the guy carried, I mean, he carried the Wizards. I mean, yeah, you know, the Wizards are they're sitting on the outside right now at ninth in the East. But, man, without John Wall and out, without much help, Bradley Beal, you know, if if anyone deserves a break to sit out the remainder of the season, it's him because that dude's that dude has had an incredible season. So, and and also too, he doesn't just you know, he doesn't get a lot of credit. You know, I think the league has really overlooked Bradley Beal. I like I like his style of play and his ability to score. Anyways, moving on, uh, whisper reports that the NBA wants the Pelicans to reach the eighth seed in the West, hinting at beating out the the Grizzlies, um, and. Also, too, the Pelicans have the easiest remaining regular season schedule of any team. So, you know, you know, maybe, you know, I saw that they play the Kings twice. So there, there's an opportunity there for them to maybe take that eight spot. Um, I know a Lakers, a Lakers, Pelicans first round. Now that'll that would be exciting. Zion LeBron, you can't can't go any wrong with that. Um, moving forward here. Um, 2K announced their cover athletes for 2021. This is the best news we've had in the podcast so far, other than the return of the MLB. But uh, 2K announced their cover athletes for uh, 2K21. They're going to have three cover athletes. They've already announced two of them. The first one, Zion Williamson. The other one's Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard becomes the first trailblazer to appear on the cover of NBA 2K. So really cool stuff. The third athlete, so they're going to have three total athletes, the third athlete will also be announced. Uh, so that is that is the first podcast. Um, th- those are our sports updates for you all. Um, thank you, and we look forward. We'll see you on our uh, next segment here on the Tiefen Taller Takeover. Okay. For our second segment of this week's podcast, we're going to do something that we have never done before. This week on The Takeover, we have our very first celebrity guest on the show. I would like to give a huge welcome to former Ohio State Buckeye, Joey Lane, for joining us on the show this week. What's up, guys? Appreciate you guys having me on. I would not call me a celebrity, though, but if you want to call me a celebrity because it's your first, then then I'm good with that. <laughs> You're a celebrity to us. <laughs> um, so yeah, thank you a bunch uh, for joining the show, and I promise we won't bother you too long on this beautiful uh, Wednesday evening. <laughs> so you guys are my only plans, just this and playing from Warzone. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> so a quick introduction on Joey for all of our listeners out there on the podcast. Um, Joey attended Ohio State University, the Ohio State University, after graduating. 
from Deerfield High School in Illinois. He walked on to Ohio State University men's basketball team and spent four years on the squad from the year 2015 to 2019. Some of his accolades here, really impressive stuff. He was named co-captain of the team his senior year. And for as far as academics are concerned, Joey was academic all Big Ten in the years 2017, 2018, and 2019, and graduated from TOSU with a degree from the Fisher School of Business. Outstanding stuff here. <laughs> I At first, I thought you were going to be just naming off accolades for my basketball career, and I've never heard anyone describe my college career as uh, – as incredible. So I appreciate the love, fellas. Oh, well, uh, no problem. No, no, problem. <laughs> no worries at all. Um, Joey, our first question, just to break the ice here um, on the podcast today is what, what was the walk-on process for you? Like, were there challenges that you had to face that you didn't think you would have to face? What, what was it like? Oh man, it was the easiest thing that I've ever done. I would recommend everyone do it. Um, everyone is cut out for it. Um, it's like a walk in the park. That's all it was. So, um, but no, in all seriousness, and I'll stop being uh, I'll stop being so uh, sarcastic. But um, you know, it was really, really hard. You know, I, I came came to Ohio State as a recruited walk on. The coaches knew me. Um, none of my teammates knew me. Um, it, just that first instant of just trying to fit in, like in like in anything. Um, that was one of the hardest parts was, um, gaining the respect of my teammates as a basketball player, but then also as a friend, you know? So, um, that was the first challenge, you know, in addition to that, it was, um, the conditioning was really, really hard. The basketball, obviously really, really hard, but I, I somehow figured it out and and found a way, uh, to, to impact the the game in other ways and stuff. And, and, um, you know, as you can imagine, it was, it's the greatest thing that ever happened to me. Absolutely. Yeah. I, the only you, you caught our eyes, like I mean, the city of Columbus for sure. I know, like when we would go to a game, we would see, you know, the guy with the towel, you know, towel game. You know, that's how we know Joey Lane. So excellent story, and that's that's really the reason we brought you onto the story. You have an incredible story. Um, Noah, you want to take this next next question here? Yeah, yeah, no problem. So I have to ask Joey uh, when it comes down to it, what was uh, what was your week kind of like in and out of season? I know student athletes are super overloaded when it comes to like practice, managing school work, every other activity. So how, how would you kind of handle everything that you were facing at the time? Yeah. So typically, um, you know, in season, uh, it looked like wake up, go to class, eat something, be at the gym from like one thirty to seven thirty, basically. And that's, um, you know, you're, you're getting there early to do homework. You're getting there early to, to see the trainer. You're getting, getting in there early to get up extra shots. Um, and then we have lifting, you have therapy most of the time with, with the trainer and, um, and, and then you watch film and then obviously practice and then you're getting up shots after practice. So that's what it kind of looked like in the season out of the season. It was more of wake up at the crack of dawn to, to go work out with the team, uh, then go to class, then come back for workouts in the afternoon. And then you kind of had the evenings to yourself um, to, to um, you know, knock out homework or, or get some extra workouts in or whatever that might be. Um, but as you can imagine, uh, your schedule is pretty darn booked up. The, the craziest thing <laughs> after um, being done my senior year was being able to have a lot of free time. So uh, it was a blessing and a curse. You know, it, my biggest strength as a person was my organization just because you're forced to be so organized as a student athlete um, and your time management skills just get ramped up to the max. Um, and for the first time in my life, I had no schedule, you know, so um, that was kind of one of the hardest transitions for me was 
um, you know, harder than, than figuring out what I wanted to do with my life was um, how am I going to fill up my days? So, um, you know, but yeah, to answer your question, uh, yeah, the days were just jam packed, but like I said, it forced you to become an expert in time management. Definitely. Definitely. And did you have a lot of help along the way from, from coaches and mentors that, that helped you, you know, deal with everything or, or was, did you kind of, were you kind of self handling everything that you, that you went through there? Uh, you know, most guys on the team, I should say any guy on the team gets as much help as they want or they need. Uh, I'd say I was kind of lucky where I came in um, from a great high school and, and really had my head on straight just in terms of my academics. And, you know, like it or not, a lot of the guys at every college basketball program, they're not there for school. You know, that's a plus, but they came and they committed to the basketball program, you know. So um, I took school super, super seriously. So they knew the coaches, the tutors, they knew that I was only seeking out help if I absolutely needed it. So but, yeah, I had tutors for for my tough business classes. Um, you know, uh, when I needed stuff, I always knew who to ask and, and they absolutely, I mean, I had a great support system. Everyone does at Ohio state. They were so, so lucky and blessed. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely didn't do it on my own. You know, I, I had a great, um, I had great parents who were helping me out. Good coaches, obviously, um, that's part of a job as a college coach is to help a, a college student athlete any way they can. And then, um, from the academic side, um, guys who helped me set up my schedules and set up my tutor sessions and the tutors themselves. I mean, it took a village, that's for sure, to help the Ohio State <laughs> program um, do well on and off the court. So, Most definitely, yeah. All right, Grant, so on, on to the next question there. Uh, Joey, I got I to gotta ask, uh, obviously, uh, I'm sure you, you played – well, obviously, you played with a lot of great athletes and, and a lot of great guys, but we got to ask uh, – if you or any of uh, your buddies on the team had any weird pre or post game rituals that you'd go through. Yeah. You know, um, a lot of guys took naps, which I thought was really weird. Uh, they would take naps. Let's say we had to be on the court at six fifteen. Um, they took uh, naps until uh, like five fifty five. They would get in the shower, change and be out there. And obviously they were studs and played really well, but the naps just kind of like calm their nerves and stuff, you know, and just relax them a little bit. Um, a lot of guys took naps. That was, I thought it was so bizarre. Um, for me, every single game, uh, every single game, I took a shower before the game, right before the game, a cold shower. Um, and then I always wanted to be the first guy out on the court. And I always uh, tied my shoes right before left, but that was more of like an accident. I don't think I consciously do that. I <laughs> consciously do that. Um, but um, beyond that, uh, I, I always, uh, whenever, when I ran out on the court, I was the first guy out on the court. I, I bounced the ball really high over my head. I always did that. Um, but my biggest superstition came with, of course, my towel um, had nothing to do with the towel itself. It didn't matter. I mean, I ended up junior, senior year, the, the manager started to figure out that I needed it, you know, before every game and stuff. Um, but, uh, and for every game, but um, I would always like fold it so that the 14 would be showing on my towel over my left shoulder. And then if we were playing bad, I would either turn it the other way or like completely unfold it and have it like over my whole back and stuff. So it's kind of hard to explain without pictures, but you can see that like, for example, the comeback against Michigan, my junior year, where we were down 20 points in the first half and ended up winning the game in that comeback, you see all the good plays. I'm wearing my towel one way and the bad gate, bad plays <laughs> I'm wearing it another way. So, um, 
so yeah, that just goes to show you that like I, I'm a, I'm a very superstitious guy. Like when we would win games, like multiple games in a row, I'd wear the same shoes every time. Um, you know, so I, I'm a very superstitious person. A lot of guys aren't. Um, I mean, like Andrew Dockich used to always have a cup of coffee before every game, which I thought was a little bizarre, but always had to have coffee. Um, I'm trying to think of what else uh, was fun. Um, we always, as a team, um, we would um, – one thing that, like, I remember one time my after my freshman, sophomore year, I realized, like, the bench is such a huge part of the game. Like, not literally the guys coming off the bench and playing are huge, but just the energy of the bench in general. So my junior year – um, what we started doing was we would jump around and like push each other around and like, um, uh, like get hyped up basically before the tip off. And then we'd all sit down. Um, but it was just a way to like, you know, come together as a team and like a group, like, Hey, we're all one common goal and we're, we're the energy givers, you know? Um, so that was another thing that we kind of did. We always Joker and the thief always played, um, before tip off for Ohio state games. So, um, we got in a good rhythm and a good dance dance battle basically. Um, and Holtman would come and give uh, high uh, knuckle touches or high fives to everyone before the game and stuff. So he always knew not to come before we before we were dancing. <laughs> that's good. That's good. That, that's just crazy to me that your teammates would take naps because I, I feel like I'd just be so hyped up with energy. I wouldn't be able to fall asleep. But, hey, if it worked for them, it, that, that's really cool. Yeah. That's really cool insight. Uh, next, next question here, Joey. A little bit different. During your four years – who is the funniest teammate you had? Wow. Uh, that's a great question. I would say a handful of guys come to mind. Uh, Jay Sean Tate, hilarious, unbelievable dancer and really, really funny. So like it kind of went hand in hand, you know, um, Daniel Giddens um, who transferred after my freshman year and Mickey Mitchell, we'll put them together. They were so, so funny. And like Daniel almost by accident, like he had a Southern accent and he said things a different way. Um, you know, and, and just that accent was just hilarious. And Mickey too, they were just both, Mickey didn't have an accent, but they were just both so, so funny. Um, who else I'd say in recent memory, like recent guys, Dwayne Washington was so funny. We were kind of, we played off each other, um, a little bit just in terms of, of our comedy and our humor. Um, and then like, even like Andrew Dockich, like I got numb to his humor cause we were, I was around him so much, but he's really, really funny too. I mean, a lot of the guys, that's the best part about, um, you know, you look at the NBA guys, all those guys are really, really funny. You just don't know it. You know, it's the same thing in our locker room. Like, you wouldn't think that Andre Wesson was very funny. He's very quiet, keeps to himself. But he was probably top three funniest guys on the team just because he's saying stuff that you wouldn't expect anyone to say, let alone him. So, uh, yeah, I, I was definitely a lot of funny guys over the course of my four years. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, you had mentioned earlier – that you you know you had to let it come back against Michigan. You were down twenty points in the first half, but which you know which of the four seasons do you think was the most successful that you had, or your favorite? Uh, well, success and favorite obviously are different. Right. Um, I would say the most successful season was probably my junior year. You know, we got up as high as number eight. We were five seed. We were competing for the Big Ten championship. We're the only team to ever win 15 games in the big 10 and not win um, the regular season championship. So that was probably the most successful year. We also had no expectations going into the year from the outside world. You know, it was just us saying that we're going to be great and stuff. Um, That's probably the most successful year, obviously with the new coaching staff and stuff. Um, But my favorite year has got to be my senior year because we went from, you know, 
basically out of the tournament or it, we were, you know, going to be a number two seed at the beginning of the year. And then we were out of the tournament in the middle of the year. And then we claw our way back to an 11 seed and we won a game in the tournament. You know, that was obviously with it all being my senior year as well. And me having a huge part in the team's, you know, success, I feel like um, was that, I mean, that's the most special year for me by far. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Noah, you got this next question here. Yeah, to kind of um, to bring it down a little bit, I, I, I am curious about what your worst memory is as a Buckeye basketball player. Like, was there a bad buzzer beater loss, you know, getting cussed out by a fan or something like that? Would, do you have anything you remember vividly? Yeah, I'd say two things. First one would be Tony Carr um, banking in that buzzer beater, just because you said buzzer beater. Um, you know, looking <laughs> back on it, if we win that game, we win the Big Ten. So um, obviously yeah. things a little bit. Um we had no business winning that game though. So it kind of evens it out. Um, and then, but number one is my sophomore year when we lost to Rutgers in the big 10 tournament, when Rutgers was just terrible. Um, yeah. and, and obviously that snowballed into coach Mata getting fired. That was definitely the lowest point, um, in my four years. Thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I just, the fans are curious. I, I, I think it's very relatable when you talk about stuff like that, 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 you know, you're not, you're just a, just a human, a normal person. Yeah, like the rest no. of us, you know? No, of course. <laughs> I, I, I gotcha. No worries. <laughs> uh, looking more on the bright side with this next question, if you could pinpoint a specific moment or memory, what was your favorite memory as a Buckeye? Huh? All right. Um, wow. Well, I'll give you a few. Um, starting on senior night, for obvious reasons. That was against uh, Wisconsin, right? Yep, yep. Oh, for right. obvious reasons, that was my favorite. But we didn't win the game and blah, blah, blah. Um, beating Purdue with that with Kata's tip-in um, at Purdue, probably the greatest game I've ever been a part of. Um, that's probably – that's probably number one if you take out the NCAA tournament and postseason tournaments. Um, but then to go along with that, that first game in the in the NCAA tournament my junior year, which is what every kid dreams about is playing the NCAA tournament, that's up there for sure, beating South Dakota State. Um, beating Indiana my senior year in, in the uh, uh, Big Ten tournament, which basically clinched us in the NCAA tournament. Just that whole – that week where we beat them, the celebration in the locker room after it was in Chicago. We got Portillo's after, which you boys probably know nothing about Portillo's. No, I do. I do. It's good stuff. Okay. I'll tell you that. All right. All right. Good. Um, we got Portillo's after that. Um, like I said, we all but clinched the NCAA tournament. Then we had selection show and life on the bubble was nothing I'd wish on my worst enemy. Um, but that relief of getting in was just awesome. And then we won a game as an underdog, which is like, that's what March Madness is all about. I think that, Obviously, I gave you a lot of answers. I think number one, though, is that stretch of two weeks from beating Indiana to beating Iowa State and everything in between. Um, just because I was trying to soak everything in because that was the end of my career. I think that's probably um, – you can even group in senior night with that, I guess, too. So that stretch at the end, um, that's probably number one moment. But that's a long moment. Wow. What a, you know, what an awesome way to, you know, ride out, you know, as, as your senior year is your last, last ride. Uh, this is a little bit, this is a more critical question. I, I'd call this a level two question. Okay. Early, earlier this month, Florida announced that it would also allow college student athletes to be paid. This will go into effect in July 1st, 2021. 
And by effect, like by effective date, they're actually going to be the first state to do so. Other states like California and Colorado have already put in legislation, but that doesn't take into effect, go into effect until 2023. Uh, what are your thoughts on paying athletes? I mean, we on the show think that they should be paid because they work, you guys work super hard. Yeah, I don't think it, I think it has nothing to do with how hard we work, but I appreciate that. It's the fact that we make the universities a lot of money. So, um, oh, yeah. You know, I, I, yeah, obviously, I think athletes should be paid. I think if they were on some sort of salary, like that would ruin the whole idea of college sports. I, it's so simple to me to just say, let these dudes make money off their name, image, and likeness. Um, I know that I would have made a nice chunk of change. Um, I know that a lot of people, a lot of people will make a lot more than that. I know that um, it, it, it sort of levels the playing field so that if a gymnast um, wants, if, if someone wants a gymnast, um, to be the face of their new advertising campaign, great. If they want a football player, great. You know, it's just it just makes it so everyone has an equal opportunity. It's like how like anyone in their right mind knows that Justin Fields, if it was a salary, should be getting more than you know. No offense, but someone on the soccer team, like you know, and that's not obviously soccer guys. They work just as hard, soccer girls or whatever. They work insanely hard, and they're extremely great at what they do. But Justin Fields is the face of like college athletics, you know? So like, it's not fair to say it should be salaries, but name and image and likeness, having people make their make, let them make a t-shirt, you know, and sell a t-shirt, you know, make, let them, um, if if a company wants to give them a car, which uh, there's not a lot of companies that are going to give 18 year olds, um, you know, not going to put them on the face of their billboards because they're smart businessmen. But if they want to, then great. I, that's uh, absolutely the players should be paid and it has nothing to do with how hard they work. Obviously that's a great, that's a great addition to any argument, but truth of the matter is the NCAA is a billions, billions, billion dollar corporation. Like, you know, and they say they're a nonprofit, like they're, they're only in it. Um, you know, they say that the best, the, the athlete's best interest in mind. It's like, all right, like time to prove it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm in complete agreement there. I mean, you look at someone like Zion Williamson and yeah, he, I mean, obviously he's like a wild exception, but, yeah, the fact that he made well, I'm sure he made money under the table, but like he couldn't publicly make he couldn't publicly make anything. I mean, that's just that baffles me. That that's still a thing. But yeah, I think you're definitely right there. But that that leads us well into this next question I'm gonna ask because I actually have a friend a couple years older than me who played uh, for UVA uh, for basketball for a few years, and he was telling me about how although obviously you don't get paid directly or anything like that, there were some perks that you get for uh, for being a student athlete and especially doing well in the NCAA tournament. So uh, can you speak to that at all? Did, did you ever receive any, uh, you know, like did, not, not money or anything, but like he talked about how we got like nice, like pasta dinners and stuff. Yeah. Like yeah, that. yeah. Anything we're, we're treated super well, you know, from great, incredible gear, Nike, where we have the largest Nike contract, you know, so we get tons of gear, shoes, sweatshirts, jackets, whatever you can imagine. Um, on the road, even at home, we're treated to great dinners, great meals. Um, we have uh, what we call what the, what they call cost of attendance checks. Uh, if you're on scholarship, where every two weeks, um, if you're living in the dorms, you get a certain amount. If you're living off campus, you get a certain amount. Um, obviously, off campus is more because it, it's for your rent. Um, so, um, you know, we do get some kind of money in that sense. When you're on the road, you get. Um, per diem like any like any professional sports team would also um, where it might be 20 bucks or whatever because you miss a meal while you're traveling um, so yeah I mean you like 
we're not dying out here. You know, there are plenty of cases where student athletes come who come from nothing are struggling and, and that's nothing to, to overlook, but um, we live a pretty lavish lifestyle at the same time. So um, your, your, what your friend said is completely true. I mean, when we would go on the road, we would go to the nicest restaurants in town and it's really, really cool. And we are super, super spoiled. And that's not the case for um, all division one teams, you know, mid major, low major teams are not doing that. Um, but Definitely. like I said, we were absolutely blessed with, with some awesome, awesome opportunities. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Thank you for speaking on that. And, and to tie it in uh, a little bit, I I'm curious, well, I guess it's, it's a bit of a stretch with the tie in, but if you watched uh, the last dance, which I'm assuming you did, cause you're a massive basketball guy, right? Yeah. I uh, watched, I was glued to the last dance. I'm from Chicago, big, big bulls fan. Um, my parents obviously lived um, all the stuff that was in the documentary. So uh, yeah, I was, uh, it was appointment television for me. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I, I think it's definitely one of the best documentaries to come out in, in a long time, but I'm just curious on, on your thoughts about it. And then also, I mean, obviously you are from Chicago, so I, I got a feeling what your answer is going to be, but I want to know uh, your opinion on the goat debate as well. Uh, yeah. So I guess the documentary, the content of the documentary was incredible. I mean, no one denies that. My only problem with it, um, and this is a little nitpicky, but not really, honestly, is the the timeline that it went through. There was just a lot of hopping around, um, which if if I wasn't a basketball nut like I am that worships, you know, Chicago Bulls history and NBA history and basketball history in general, um, I wouldn't have known what was going on. I mean, my sister was watching with us one, one night and uh, she was asking, she's like, I thought they were just playing the Pistons. Why are we talking about Michael Jordan in college now? You know, so there were a lot of hopping back and forth. Some people loved it. I I wasn't a huge fan. Um, I wish it would have just gone a little bit more in chronological order. I understand that you got to do flashbacks. That's all part of it. I get it. Um, but I could see why it would be a little bit confusing for, for others. Um, yeah, definitely. In, in terms of the GOAT discussion, the GOAT debate, um, I'll preface this by saying, uh, and I just got my hair cut and me and my barber were talking about the same thing. He's a Cleveland fan. I'm a Chicago fan, so obviously you know which way we lean. Um, but uh, we were talking about it literally 35 minutes ago, and to preface my argument, like I was going to say, they're completely different players. Um, I mean, LeBron and Michael Jordan do not play the ba- the game of basketball the same way. They're both incredible, and there's no doubt in my mind that they are number one and number one A and number one B, and and the rest aren't very close. Um, that being said, the way I look at it is. If I need one player to win one game, who am I taking? I'm taking Michael Jordan. So that's my answer. All right. All right. Yeah. Hey, I, I think that's a really good take for sure. Grant and I are both LeBron biased. And, yeah, we, we don't really have time to get into the whole thing. But, yeah, I think I think Jordan's definitely – yeah, I, I can't really argue with, with your take right there. So, uh, and, then, uh, and then from that, I'm also curious – uh, well, I guess I guess this is more of this is more of Grant's topic because he's a bigger college hoops guy. So, yeah, Grant, I'll, I'll let you take this one. Actually, all right, all right cool. Um, from your perspective, having you know having played college hoops, do you think college hoops will return this winter? And if so, what changes or what challenges do you think we as fans might you know we could expect to see? Oh man, this is a tough topic. It all I think it all depends on how football does. Um, if football pushes it back, then basketball will probably push it back. You know, I think funny enough, Rick Pitino tweeted the other day and said, you know, 
Um, it might be a good idea to start just in January and just play conference games. That way um, there's a better chance that fans can come. There's a better chance that there's a vaccine um, and it just eliminates a lot of the risk, which I, I, I don't think that's a terrible idea. I don't know enough to give really um, what I think is the best idea. Um, I just wouldn't be surprised um, if they play just like the NBA is playing with no fans. It's it, the only problem is travel. Um, you know, a, teams fly everywhere. Um, I, I just think that it is just, I don't know. It's crazy to think about. I, it all depends on how football handles it. It's the only problem is that basketball's indoors, you know? Um, I, I don't know. I, I think that the college basketball season is probably the least of our concern just in terms of the world right now. Um, I think if people want to, to be able to see their favorite guys play on Saturdays for football and then, see them in person for basketball as well. You, you got to wear a mask. <laughs> so um, if, if you're not wearing a mask, then you don't want, um, you know, college sports to happen. Right. Right. Absolutely. Um, and I guess it's all along the similar lines here, um, but I guess we just touched on it with the bubble and the differences between that and no college hoops, how they're going to be traveling all over the country, but should, you know, the NBA resume, do you have a, a team – Who's your team bringing home the title from Orlando? I mean, it's got to be LeBron. He's on a mission. Um, yeah. I think that LeBron is probably the number one guy I would assume is in the best shape. I think he's the number one guy who's going to take it the most seriously. And I think that this entire year he was on a mission, plus the Jordan documentary comes out. Um, he's on He's on a mission. So I'll take LeBron. Oh, I guess I'd pick the, the Lakers, but that means I'm taking LeBron. A <laughs> uh, quick follow-up question with the loss of Avery Bradley do you think that impacts their chances of winning uh sure I think it does but I I also you know they sign a guy like J.R. Smith who gives them a different look <laughs> than what you know Avery Bradley brings and then Alex Caruso is also a super I mean the dude is is a is a walking meme but like at the same time like he brings a lot to the table. I think that he'll step into his, to Avery Bradley's role pretty seamlessly. So um, I would imagine that they'll lose a, they'll lose something because Avery Bradley's an incredible talent and incredible player. But I think they'll be just fine. All right. Yeah, we we had both had we both had the Lakers uh, advancing to the finals and ultimately winning. So yeah, we're in the same boat there. Uh, back to some easier questions here. If you could only pick three musical artists to listen to, who would they be? <laughs> Shifting gears a little bit. Um, I uh, wow. Um, I'll say Drake, just because he gives you a little bit of both, and as long as, long as guys can be featured, also, um, I think he gives he gets a good spectrum. I think Post Malone, um, also just because brings another like element and different kind of music. You know, if I can only listen to three guys, um. And then I'm looking through my phone, looking through my music right now to try and just think. I think uh, maybe like like maybe Travis Scott, that's just like another end of the spectrum. He's got different type of music and like would really pump me up when I'm working out and stuff, you know. Um, that That's just a really, really good question. I think that's who I'm going to go with now because that's probably who I listen to most. I think like Justin Bieber probably would be on that list for me also. Um because, again, a different element um, to what I'd be listening to. So, you know what? I'm going to take out Travis and put in Justin Bieber and just have a little bit more variety. I like it. I like it. I think that's, I think that's a good mix. And, and follow-up 
with you picking Drake as your number one, what do you think about his uh, hit new song, Pain 1993, with Playboy Cardi? Do you like it or not really? Uh, What's the vibe? You know, it's funny. I I I just moved into a new apartment, um, so I haven't had a chance to do a lot of things, and listening to Drake's new song is definitely not high on my list right now, priorities, unfortunately. <laughs> Um, no problem. No problem. Well, I'm assuming that the way you guys are phrasing it, it, it stinks. It's it's it's, it's half good and half bad. It, it's something. It's half good and half bad, as in half good when Drake is on and half bad when Playboy Car- Cardi is on. Yeah, you I, I think, right that, I think that's a fair way to describe it. Yeah, you'll you'll have to decide for yourself. I'll listen to it as soon as we're done with this. I my, my teammates are huge Playboy Cardi fans, and I never quite understood it. So uh, I'm with you on that. It'll make less sense after you listen to the song. <laughs> oh boy! Oh, shoot. Okay. Um, moving, moving on right along here. Uh, what is your favorite restaurant on campus or in the Columbus area? Huh. Um. Uh, my. Fa- I'll, I'll just say this: my favorite restaurant on campus. I'll go with Sloopy's. Um, Sloopy's Diner. You can pay for it with your dining dollars or your meal plan or whatever. Um, and I just am dying to have a a, a menu item named after me because um, they name it after people. <laughs> like uh, President Drake had something. A, a former um, Ohio State women's coach, basketball coach had something named after him. I just really, really want something to be named after me. So I'll hopefully they hear this and uh, like uh, you know hear my message that hey Sloopy's. Um, I love you and I would love to have like a chicken, like a chicken tender basket named after me. I've been thinking about this for a while. I would call it you know, <laughs> the Joey buckets bucket of chicken fingers. <laughs> so I love it. Yeah. I love so it. That's uh, yeah. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Call them my favorite. Wow. <laughs> hey, that's a good case. Hey, you, you heard them. Snoopy. You, you know what you have to do now. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so actually, Oh, sorry, sorry to cut you off, no. but this this ties in super well actually with with what I was going to ask because I know you're a sales accountant nowadays, or sorry, a sales consultant rather. Yeah, you guys did uh, your research. Yeah, yeah, and uh, obviously you just had a nice little pitch there for why why uh, <laughs> pick up your chicken tender basket. But I'm I'm just curious if your experience with your basketball career kind of helped you uh, either with, uh, you know, that, that sales um, role or just like maybe inspired you a bit, or is there any connection there? Do you think? Yeah. I think that sales and, and, uh, and athletes kind of go hand in hand. Um, At first I didn't really want to get into sales just because I had my, um, I I kind of like had my eyes set on other stuff. I worked for Nike out of college and I really liked my time there. Um, But I wasn't doing sales there and stuff. Um, But I realized that, um, you know, for the right opportunity, the, I would do really well in sales because of my mindset and my competitiveness and all that stuff, you know? So, um, yeah, I think athletics, basketball, whatever, it, it kind of cut me and molded me into a really good sales candidate. Um, and it's, it's been really, really fun. So, um, I think I, uh, I made the right decision moving over into the sales world and stuff and, uh, definitely have basketball to thank for that. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, I mean, I can tell just from from this little interview that you're you're gonna be very successful uh, in the in the future. Uh, obviously, you already are, but <laughs> it's only up from here with uh, with that path. So good for you, man. I appreciate that. 
Uh, and then uh, Grant, unless you you have any more questions, I I think uh, I think I just gotta ask Joey to plug whatever he wants. You know, that's that's our new thing now that we're doing uh, we're doing interviews. We want to make sure, you know, you give to us, you give us your time. We want to give back. Uh, so if you want to plug anything or anything like that, hey, speak up. Now's your time. Yeah, uh, appreciate that, fellas. Um, I uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Joey Smoke fourteen. Follow me on Instagram, the Joey Lane. Um, I also have my own podcast. I don't want to take any listeners away, but just listen to this <laughs> podcast first, and then you can listen to mine after. Um, it's called uh, Drive the Lane, uh, and it's an Ohio State themed podcast. We talk about you know we got we have football guests on. Um, we've had guys like Terry McLaurin um, on. We we uh, have basketball guys on. We've had you know NBA guys, college guys on. ESPN commentators, a lot of a lot of different stuff, uh, and then also we we uh, have kind of shifted ourselves into becoming a TBT podcast for the upcoming TBT, and and so now we a separate podcast called Inside TBT where we're the official podcast of the TBT and stuff. So lots going on. Um, happy that I got to got a chance to talk to you boys. This has been a lot of fun, um, and and feel free to reach out whenever you guys need to fill another episode and and need to call <laughs> me again. I'm happy to to come back on. Perfect. Perfect. Thank, thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks again for having me. And uh, we wish you the best of luck moving forward on all of your uh, future endeavors. Appreciate that, fellas. No problem. Hey, good luck in Warzone. Don't go to the Gulag too much. You yeah, know I'm going to try not to. I, I've been struggling as of late, but I had a couple pretty good games before I hopped on with you guys, so I'm going to try and, and ride that momentum. All right, respect. Yeah, go and get it, man. <laughs> all righty. Take care, Joey. Take care, guys. Yep, have a good one. Have this week in hilarious news. Actually, we can we can we can come back to that. You want to do your reflections first? Yeah, let's do it. So yeah, I missed I missed Grant's first part, our sports news, because I was uh I have some adult responsibilities now. I was in a meeting, so uh yeah, but I hey, I'm still committed to the podcast, and I still want to give some some of my spicy takes on some of this stuff. So, uh, in terms of Cam Newton to the Patriots, I think it's a really good idea overall, and I think I got to give props to whoever's on the Patriots uh, uh, on the Patriots staff that that picked this idea up because I think Newton's an extremely hard worker, and I think that if he if he you know if he can perform like he used to like back in 2015. The Patriots, you know, found a perfect Tom Brady replacement. And if it doesn't work out, hey, it was only a one-year deal, so they don't lose that much. Uh, sorry, I didn't, I didn't hear your take, Grant, but what do you think? No, my, no I had the exact same take. Uh, I, you know, I think it's a win-win for both sides. So I think, you know, Cam Newton, like you said, extremely, you know, talented, hardworking. He, you know, he hasn't been – I mean, it was really an uncertain offseason for him because didn't have a team, didn't have a contract – now he gets that contract with the Patriots who just lost a future Hall of Fame quarterback. So I think it's an, it's an absolutely it's a win-win deal. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, he has a bone to pick, too, because I'm sure he's very upset with how things kind of ended for him on his past team. And he's ready to prove that, you know, he is that MVP and star player that he used right. to. Right. In terms of uh, the J.R. Smith deal, I just think this one's hilarious. I mean, my my biggest memory of JR, obviously, he's a great player. You know, he has won a championship. But, like, when I think of JR, I think of that meme where LeBron's, like, holding his hands out on him after he 
after he like took the ball and ran it back in that um, finals game versus the Warriors. Like that, I love that meme. But as like a as like a Cavs fan or someone who was cheering for them in that series, that broke me, dude. Like, what are you doing, Jr.? Like, come yeah. on, he, I don't know. So hey, we'll we'll see what happens this time. But honestly, I don't think Jr. really provides that much to the team. Like, I think. I think they almost would have been better off picking up Swaggy P, who said he would come back if people wanted him. So, <clears throat> yeah, like, I, I don't know, man. Like, maybe maybe JR will do – I mean, obviously he's worked well with LeBron before, but, hey, I, I think the Lakers were going to win with or without JR. So, nothing that crazy there. Yeah, yeah. All righty here. Uh, moving moving right along. Yeah, I basically have the same sentiments with, you know, J.R. Smith. I. I didn't know if he brought much value to an already, you know, offensively dominated team, but Mm -hmm. that's just me. Um, Moving right along to our final and, you know, our most, maybe our hilarious, most hilarious segment. I'm not sure. We'll find out though. Uh, Our, this week in hilarious news stories, we got this first story. It's taken from the Huffington post. This story, and I I will, I will give some, you know, background after I, I release the title, but the title of the story is, Louisiana man faces charges for swimming in a sporting goods store fish tank. So if, if I had to break it down and tell you, you know, the short run of, of the story, this guy was, I guess, trying to, I think it was TikTok. This guy was trying to become, you know, TikTok famous. And he said, if I get 200 likes, it might've been Instagram, but anyways, he was trying to become internet famous and get 200 likes. Well, it turns out he got way more than 200 and he said, I couldn't go back on it. I couldn't be, you know, I couldn't be considered a liar. So he goes into, I think it was a Dick's Sporting Goods. No, it was, it was a Bass Pro Shop. Even oh, it was a Bass, yeah, <laughs> exactly. It was a Bass Pro Shop. And he hops in the tank and the police were called on him and he was arrested. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I sympathize with him a little bit. Just because if you've ever seen one of those tanks, they're massive and it does look fun swimming with the fishes. Like I, I wouldn't do it, but Hey, I, I got, I got a little bit of respect, but it is kind of messed up at the end. How, uh, you know, Bass Pro Shops had to like pay to get the tank cleaned out uh, and, and all that. And uh, the guy just got a little criminal charge and was released with a citation. So maybe that's not the most fair. And I definitely don't condone doing it, but Hey, I, those tanks are there for some reason. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> he was, instead of being a fish out of water, he was a fish in water. Oh, yeah, whatever. Okay. okay. Uh, I've been waiting all day to say that. Uh, anyways, uh, our next story we have from the Huffington Post here is this. It's titled this, Dead Iguana Found in Freezer of Florida Pizza Parlor. And after reading this story, after reading this story, I'm convinced we should just have a this week in Florida news segment, because it seems like every week we have something coming from the great state of Florida. But anyways, uh, the story to break it down for you, there is a pizza shop in, I think it's Southern Florida. If I want if I'm correct, I don't know. There's this pizza shop, you know, pizza shops do what they do. Um, but the manager, you know, there was a health inspection and the manager, I don't think was aware that this was an issue. But the manager had been given an 80-pound iguana as a gift, and he put it in the back freezer. Apparently, it was a it was aside from all of the food that people were customers were going to eventually be eating. And then the health inspector said, "Yeah, you can't do this." And so uh, he had to 
they had to remove his poor little iguana. I mean, not little. It was an eighty pound. <laughs> it was a it was a big boy. But anyways, that that's what's happening down in Florida. Yeah, I mean, apparently it's it's kind of crazy because iguanas are are growing so rapidly in Florida that the wildlife agency is encouraging people to kill them to stop like the overpopulation. But and like, so I've seen that before for like you know some kind of fish like carp and stuff. But never these massive iguanas. Like, who is gonna go around? Like, I'd I'd be scared if I saw one of those. I think it's like a dragon or something. You know what I'm saying? I don't yeah, know, man. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and for our final funny story, this one I actually came across on Reddit. I didn't even have to search for this one. But there's this uh, character uh, in kind of the gaming scene, I guess. But he he has a history of suing uh, gaming companies for random things. And uh, this one, uh, his most recent lawsuit probably takes the cake. It's a $25 million lawsuit against uh, the streaming platform Twitch. And he said that Twitch has hurt his depression, OCD, and sex addiction because of the uh, girl streamers that they allow on their platform. And uh, reading through it, I mean, I I think this guy's a troll. I, I don't understand how he couldn't be really, but... This guy follows 800 girl streamers and zero guy streamers and just keeps, he wants like the streamer, like, and these are, these are fine people, right? I mean, Twitch has their own terms of service. Like it's a reputable place, but he's, he just has a bone to pick and he wants all these people banned for no reason. And he, you know, it gets a little graphic in the lawsuit. So if you're interested, you can check it out, but let's just say Twitch caused him to short out his computer at one point. Uh, and, uh, yeah, some other stuff that I can't really talk about on the podcast, but in, in previous lawsuits, this guy's done, he sued world of Warcraft for making him walk too much in the video game. And he also sued PlayStation, uh, for permanently banning his account after he, uh, was toxic and harassed people online. So, I mean, this guy, I I don't know. I don't think he's ever going to win one of his cases, but, you know, at least he's using the legal system, I guess. Yeah. Uh, All right. Yeah, I think a character, when you said a character, I think that summed it up just about just about quite right. (laughs) Um, Okay, Uh, that was that was podcast number four. We hope you enjoyed it. We had three awesome segments for you guys this week. So uh, look forward to uh, future podcasts. Definitely. Yeah. And thank you all for listening and uh, have a great rest of uh, whatever it is, your day, your night, your week. Yeah, Just have a good one.